0: Yes? No? Like maybe at home you switched the channel or you looked at something your parents told you not to look at. Or maybe at school, or while you're on virtual learning, you were on your cell phone playing a game when you knew you should have been paying attention. Well, those things we call temptations. And guess what? We are tempted every day with things and people. Temptation is the desire to do something probably appealing, which we know we shouldn't do. And as you get older, the temptations you face will get more difficult to handle or ignore. See, temptation isn't something we grow out of once we reach adulthood. But we must constantly rely on on God to help us overcome temptation. Did you know that Jesus was tempted? Yes, he was. He was tempted. He was. Jesus faced temptations but he did not sin. Who remember what the first gospels are? Yes, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Today's story comes from the book of Matthew the first book in the New Testament. And you may also remember that John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. And God spoke from heaven saying, This is my son, in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And immediately after all this happened, God sent Jesus into the wilderness where he fasted or went without eating for 40 days. Can you imagine what it's like to not eat for 40 days? He spent time praying and thinking about God. At the end of those 40 days, how do you think Jesus felt? Was he hungry? Was he not hungry? He was hungry. And suddenly Satan appeared to Jesus and tried to tempt him. He said, if you are the son of God, tell those stones to become bread. Do you think Jesus was tempted to do that? Yes or no? No, he was not tempted to do that. If you were in Jesus' place, what would you have done? Let's read from God's word to find out what Jesus did. Matthew 4, 4 tells us that Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So instead of giving into the temptation to turn the stones into bread, Jesus resisted. He faced temptation, but he did not sin. Now Satan wasn't finished with Jesus. Next he took Jesus to Jerusalem And had him stand at the very top of the temple. Satan said that if Jesus was truly the son of God, he could jump from the top of the temple and wouldn't be hurt. God would take care of you, Satan told him. It even says in God's word that God would send angels to take care of you. They will lift you up, lift your hands, and you wouldn't even hit your foot on the stone. Whoa. Now, even Satan was using scripture. He was quoting from the Old Testament book of Psalms, and he tried to tempt Jesus to test God's protection. After all, if Jesus was the son of God, wouldn't God save him? Matthew 4, 7 says, Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, you would think by this time, Satan would just give up, but he still wasn't finished trying to get Jesus to sin. This time, Satan took Jesus up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Look at this, Satan said, all of this will be yours if you would only bow down and worship me. Now, in Matthew 4.10, it tells us, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And for a third time, Jesus quoted scripture to Satan, reminding him of the truth of God. It's Jesus faced temptation, but he did not sin. Did you know that this was not the only time Jesus was tempted. Did you know that three years later, after Jesus was on the cross, Jesus was on the cross, people passed by him, and they shouted to him, Save yourself. If you are really the son of God, you could come down from that cross. Jesus certainly could have saved himself, because he truly was and is God. Jesus didn't deserve to die on the cross Because he was absolutely perfect. Jesus faced temptation, but he did not sin. Have you ever faced temptation? Have you ever faced temptation? God knows that we will be tempted by many things in our lives, and he has given us a powerful weapon to help us fight against it. Does anyone know what that is? It's the Bible. God's word reminds us of what is true, even when Satan tries to tempt us to forget. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. He's been in our shoes, and there is nothing that we experience that Jesus has not endured himself. There's a big difference, though. When we are tempted, we often sin. Jesus faced temptation. he did not sin Jesus did what is completely impossible for us and because Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead we have a promise that whoever put their faith in Christ will be shown grace because of Jesus perfect life we can come before the throne of God so the next time you attempt it Remember this acronym. What would Jesus do? WWJD. What would Jesus do?
1: Well, thank you, Rosa. I'm here now to give the benediction. (laughs) No, not really, but that was great. Uh good morning and uh once again welcome to College of Presbyterian Church. Uh we are a growing diverse community of Jesus followers and we honor God by doing and by being so, by being a community of believers that follows after Jesus with our whole hearts. And so today uh, we're uh we're continuing on in our series about connecting with God and how that Jesus shows us a better way uh, by helping us connect uh, with the Father. And so uh, in our first part of our series, you heard us talk about uh, Pastor Drew spoke on what it meant to connect uh, with our time and how valuable and how precious that is and how Jesus uh, was never in a hurry. And then uh, you heard uh, Pastor Jennifer talk about uh, what it meant to, uh, uh, to to connect around the Word of God. And so today we're looking at what it means to connect in the area of our work. Uh, bow your heads with me, and then we'll jump right in so that we can jump right out. All right, gracious God, thank you for today uh, for the opportunity to get together with uh, my brothers and sisters, uh, for men and women uh, who gather here uh, via Facebook Live uh, in distant places and for those who gather in this very space to hear uh, your very word, the word of life. Jesus, uh, your word declares that you are the word, and so we thank you that today uh, that you're going forth uh, into the homes of people all over our city and even perhaps around the country who are tuning in, and, and we just ask you to make this time fruitful. Uh, help me to speak well your word, and to, uh, and for us to go forth afterwards to being doers of your word, and not just hearers only. And everyone say it, Amen. It is uh, it is a wonderful thing to be here uh, this morning with you all. As I said, uh, thanks for those who are tuning in by Facebook Live. As we consider our work, uh, the thing uh, that we we love to do uh, with our lives. Uh, I'm reminded that we are often too, too busy and too much in a hurry about how we go about carrying out our work. At least I, I know I am. Uh, I think it's just a part of that idea that we have about the American way—that uh, that we work hard, uh, we put in a, a, a rigorous amount of time, and hour uh, by hour, we 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 put ourselves to the plow. And we we Americans we have a, an insatiable appetite about about success and, and this sense of accomplishment. And while that's not a bad thing, today I want us to tap into a better way—a better way that Jesus helps us point to. Now, the key is to not be in a hurry. And not being led by our our instincts, or our leadership ability, or our desire, our impulses for for some place of success, but to not be in a hurry and to be led by the very spirit of God. And so, what if what if we what if we sat still a little bit longer and took pause uh, when it comes to our work and waited to hear uh, what the Father said about what we should do and how we should go about doing it? Uh, now, we all have a, a desire uh, for a life of meaning and purpose. We all have that desire to, to want to feel like our lives have value and worth and, and too often I know for me, uh, man, I tie so much of my identity to what I do when in fact the truth is that uh, my identity should be found and rooted in who Christ is in me and not so much in what I do. And if I'm truthful today, uh, rarely, uh, am I satisfied and content, uh, just with the state of just being. Too often I find myself uh, passionate about wanting to go forth and to do and to accomplish and to and to work for him instead of realizing that it's more important to rest in him. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus shows us a better way, a better way concerning our work. And that way, that better way is only found in following Jesus and simply pulling away uh, quietly to a quiet place to connect with the Father. Let's look at our text real quick, uh, as uh, as Rosa already alluded to. In Matthew uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Now, if you're tuning in by Facebook Live or you're here and you're new to the Bible, no worries. Uh, you can find uh, Matthew halfway through the Bible. If you open the book, it's sort of right there. It's the first of the of the Gospels, right in, the, in what we call the New Testament. And so the Bible is broken up by chapters and verses. And so we're going to hit right in here at, at Matthew 4. And the Bible says here in verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus answered, it is written, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then in verse 11, then the devil took him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. And then in verse 17, it says, From that time forward, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, God, indeed. And so as we look at this passage, we see Jesus entering to a time of of testing, a time of temptation. And I don't believe that that we can ever get to the place that God wants us to be concerning our work unless we first go through that place of testing. And so now i got to tell you, as I said before, man, I, I love... I love my work. I love what I do. Uh, I, whether it's, it's me working uh, with some project with my hands, with my tools, or, or whether it's working here in the ministry as I serve in outreach here and in the contemporary worship gathering, I love my work. And so the the, the, the rub within that is that, that place, that very place that I love, sometimes, man, it, it can compel me to go too hard, uh, too fast. And oftentimes, if I'm truthful, uh, I find myself uh, getting my worth for my sense of work when really my worth should come from my sense of of being connected with God. Now all of us, all of us are gifted. We each have, each and every one of us have been gifted by God with different, different skill sets and talents and abilities to do work. But the question is, how do we, how do we tap into that place of meaning with our work without making our work itself a God in and of itself? That's why in verse 10, as we read, it says that, that God alone should be served, that it's Him alone should be at the pinnacle, at the center of the place of our desire and our meaning. Uh, I love reading, and there's a, a book that I've been reading uh, by John Maxwell. And in that book, he says, prioritize uh, your life around what's important and not about what's, in, what's urgent. Prioritize based upon what's important, not by what's urgent. But what's the secret of tapping into that, that place of what's important uh, when what's urgent seems to always be pressing more and more and more? I don't know, but have you ever felt the press coming in? I mean, have you ever felt the press of the urgent just coming forth more and more in your life? I mean, uh, children uh, cry out for more attention. Uh, the boss demands that you you do more and more and more and produce more and still uh, yet more. You know you ought to be spending more time uh, with your spouse. And, and the press can come in so strong. But how do we separate what's important from what's urgent? For me, the urgent demands come. For me, Daryl Davis, the urgent demands often come from within and not from without. I was just thinking uh, the other night as I was talking with, with our missions team, and talking about um, uh, just what's coming up right now around us uh, wanting to provide uh, uh, Christmas gifts for our global workers. If you don't know, if you're tuning in by Facebook Live, uh, this great church, we support uh, uh, 21 global workers, missionaries that are serving all over the world in places like Africa and the Middle East and East Asia and just so many places. They're they're putting their lives forward for the kingdom of God and and as I was talking and thinking about uh, Christmas gifts for those guys, I reached out and said, hey, what's our, what's our goal for this year? What are we, what are we trying to go for? And I, and I know our congregation is passionate about giving towards uh, great and worthy causes that make a difference in the world. But I was like, hey man, what's, what, do, what do you think our goal should be? And they said, Oh Darrell, I think that if we could raise $2,100, that would be great. Now in the back of my mind, I was thinking, oh man, boy, boy, that, that, that's way too low. I I, I, I've been raised to have these, what do they call them, the BHAGs, these big audacious goals that that are so far out there that that, it keeps us up at night thinking about how we can accomplish, accomplish them. And so even then, after we got off the phone, I was thinking, man. Maybe that's just not enough. Maybe, maybe, see see, what I did was I was remembering the time when I was one of those global workers and, and and what it meant for me and my children at Christmas time when when all of their cousins and friends were singing about a white Christmas and we were in Jamaica and there was a sunny Christmas. And, and while some of you might appreciate a sunny Christmas, and my kids were dreaming about what it would have been like to be here in the States and to open up those presents and to sit around the Christmas tree. There weren't any Christmas trees in Jamaica. And so, and so I woke up late at night as often it is in my case. See, the press for me comes at night. I woke up at night and I start thinking, man, we ought to just be doing more. But then I had to come back to the realization that it's only what we do in Christ that makes the real difference. Not what we do in our own strength and our own power. It's what we do when we're in Christ. Now, don't judge me harshly. Don't don't judge me harshly, but but for me, it's just the way I'm wired. I'm, I'm always thinking a little bit further down the line. I'm always on the hunt, uh, deep in my heart, even if you don't see it on the surface, and, and wondering what's on the horizon, what's what's the thing that we ought to be doing now, but also what's the thing that we ought to be doing next. And, and quiet is kept sometimes. <laughs> don't tell anyone, but sometimes I, I I go along with what Ben Franklin said. You remember his famous quote. When he talked about what it meant to rest and to sleep, it's crazy and it's really a crazy statement. What he says this, he said, man, when it comes to rest and sleep, eight hours for women and children, seven hours for ordinary men, and five hours for me. I mean, that's crazy when you really think about it. I mean, it's really, it's it's really unattainable and it's unsustainable for the long time. But I find myself sometimes just wanting to go more and more and more. And I don't know if you see the the unordinariness about that whole idea of wanting to be not just the normal man that God craves to be, but to be this extraordinary person. If you were to tap into my Audible account, you would see a whole litany of books about what it means to be a better man, a better father, and by far a better leader. And I I don't just dig into these books and read once or twice, man, but I I dig in deeply because I I have within me this desire. I don't know what it is. It didn't come from my father who had these great demands, I can tell you that. But but it's something within me that just says, man, I want to do better. I want to be better. And, And make no mistake about it. It's not, don't call Jane in the counseling center on me because it's not something that drives me all the time. But there is something inside of me that has me moving towards what's better. What's better that I can do when it comes to my work? But as I began to study and prepare for this message, man, I was con- convicted more and more. See, Drew, uh, Drew hit me with the okey doke. He 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 told me that we we're going to be talking about a better work, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, that's right up my alley, because I I get all jazzed about doing more. I mean, I resonate with Paul, who said, man, I press toward the mark. I'm striving towards what what lays ahead. And, and so I got excited, but then I realized as I began to study more and more that what the real answer is to to better it's not so much in, in my pursuit of doing at all, but it's really in my pursuit of being. You see, what I do and what you do, if it's in our own strength, apart from being connected to God, when the pressures come and make no mistake about it, the pressures will come, when the tests come and make no mistake about it, the test is there for us, we will not hold up and will fail miserably. I know that that miserable place well. I love what Drew said uh, back during the beginning when we first got into this passage. He said this, these words that just stuck with me just over and over in my mind. he says this, he said, Jesus never wasted time, yet he was never in a hurry. Jesus never wasted time. And I like that part, you see, Cause I don't like wasting time. I like to, to, to not just talk about it, but man, we need to be, we need to be about it. I, I like that part. But he was also never in a hurry concerning his work. And what work could there be that's more important than the work of Christ and seeking and saving those that were lost? He was never in a hurry never wasted time. You see, everything that Jesus did came out of who he was in his connection with the father. I'll say that again. Everything that Jesus did came out of who he was in his connection with the father. His identity drove his actions. His identity drove his actions and he did not gather and acquire his identity from his work, but he knew who he was with the father. So if we want to do better work, we must first come to grips with the identity question. Who are we really? See who we are, who we are informs what we do and how we do it. And, and that's why, why, as we read earlier in the text, so that's why the day, the devil came, uh, the, the Satan came to Jesus and said, if you really are the son of God, if you really are who God says you are, then do this, this and this. And so I believe that it's more important for us now than ever to find ourselves rooted and steeped in our identity in Christ. Who we are informs what we do and how we do it. And if we want to do better work, we need to get plugged in, get, get connected in regularly with Jesus and let out, live out of who we really are. I was talking uh, to Greg Fisher, our facilities director around here. Uh, this is back, now when I first first started here, uh, maybe a couple years ago, and just you know we got to talking about the different projects around the campus, and and uh, and we were talking about power tools. So ladies, it's Christmas time, so power twos, just keep that in your mind. So we were talking about we were talking about power twos and man, and I was talking about this drill I had. I'm not gonna tell you the brand, but it, it was it's green, I'll just tell you that. But but Greg would start talking about man this big powerful super duper, these twos that man, they, they they were designed, these twenty volt monsters that were designed to get the job done. And I was like, wow, I need one of those. And so I, I went out and bought this thing, man. This and actually it was with the whole set and and I Honey, I really need this. See, is what I, but I went out and bought this thing and man, I was so excited and I, and I, I got it out and I got ready to go and all of a sudden, man, this thing, it was weak and I'm like, what is this? What, it, it didn't nearly do what I thought it was supposed to do. But see, then I realized that I forgot to, I forgot to plug it in. I forgot to, to allow it to get its charge. And see, what I want you to hear me to saying to you today is that, is that the tool has, has no use at all unless it's plugged into, to the source. The tool is nothing more than a glorified hammer, no matter how, how good it is and how beautiful it is, unless it's plugged into the source. And so I'm saying to you today, my brothers and sisters, you guys look great. I mean, you're, you're not made of that cheap stuff, right? You have value and worth and, and God knows your full potential, but, but you have no use. You're nothing more than a useless hammer unless you're plugged in to your source. We need to be plugged in so that we can be renewed, recharged and refueled so that we can, we can do the work that we were created to do. See, God has something unique and special for each and every one of us to be plugged into and to to complete with our lives. There's there's a sense that God is looking for us all to rise up and to, to sort of live out uh, the, 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 the design by our creator, by our manufacturer, if you will. But we'll never be able to do what God wants us to do. We'll never be able to make the difference that he wants us to make in the world that we live in, the community that we live in, the families that we're a part of. Unless we plug in, get plugged in to the source. Somebody say, I'm not just a pretty hammer. Okay, that's, that's right. You're not. My brothers and sisters, it's important for us to get plugged in. And see, what we're talking about in this series is what it means to follow Jesus and to let him show us how to get connected with the Father. I love... Uh, how Rosa reached back uh, and she talked about what occurred before Matthew chapter four and Jesus being baptized. And in case you didn't know, if you're looking in by Facebook live, baptism is important. If it was good enough for Jesus, then it ought to be good enough for us. So Jesus got baptized. And then, then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit uh, w- w- was there right on the scene and the Holy Spirit was upon him, but it didn't say how, how it, what it looked like or what anyone heard, but the Holy Spirit was present. And then those great famous words that, that, that came forth God himself showed up and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so the amazing thing is that, that Jesus hadn't gone through the test yet. He, 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 by, by no means got to the place where he was doing his task, going about healing those who were sick and broken and oppressed of the devil. He had not even busted a grave concerning work yet, but here God says, man, I'm pleased in my son, not because of what he does, but because of who he is, and so I propose to you today, my brother, my sister. I propose it to myself, and I need to do it more and more and more that perhaps uh, for us uh, god 's pleasing with us has little to do with what we do and more to do with whose we are. I love what it says. This is my beloved son, is what Jesus said, or the Father said about Jesus and whom. I am well pleased. And so, and maybe you're looking in by Facebook Live and you're, and you're trying to prove that you're worthy, you're worthy to be loved. I want you to know if you're watching by Facebook Live or you're sitting here today, that you are loved. I want you to know that you don't have to to try to prove your goodness by doing goodness. But if you're a child of God, that you're good in the very fact that Christ himself is resident within you. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1 says, In Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Who was Jesus led by into the wilderness? Come on, you can say it. Talk to me this morning. Who was Jesus led by? The Bible says he was led by the Holy Spirit. into the. And what was he led into the wilderness to do? To be tempted by the devil. But it's interesting to me that the very first thing that Jesus did in the wilderness was take time, to get plugged in, to get connected to God in a time of fasting. I love that because it reminds me of the importance of getting plugged in and staying connected to the Father in fasting. wrote down a, a great definition of what a fast is. To fast means to deny oneself of anything that one deeply enjoys or even needs for a period of time in order to commit or to dedicate and focus on God and what he wants to say. So essentially, Jesus denied himself, food for a period of time to direct his focus toward God. Jesus thought it was wise to turn to God in his desert place. The question for you and the question I ask myself often is, Is what do I turn to or who do I turn to when I find myself in a wilderness experience? You see, make no mistake about it. We've got to go through the wilderness. There, There is no testimony without a test. There, there's no sense in thinking we'll ever get to the place where we're able to do the task without first going through the test. But but who do you turn to in your wilderness experience? Often it's too easy to turn to, to some addictive behavior or to some, some codependent relationship. For me, oftentimes when I feel myself in a droughtful, dark, dry place, the desert place, I find myself turning to that favorite place of mine called Netflix. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone, but see, one episode of Law and Order becomes two. Boom, boom. How many of those, if you've watched, you know that sound. Boom, boom. Like, they don't even give you a commercial. They just keep them going. And what do you turn to? Who do you turn to in the dry desert place when, when things don't look like you feel like they ought to, to look? Lately I turned to House of Cards. Don't, don't judge me. Oh man. And see, and then after that, it was that British show, the one called The Crown, and but we won't talk about it. But, but the point is, I'm telling myself to not be in a hurry, to once again turn back and to perhaps remove the television from my bedroom and learn how to simply plug in and rest. I don't know what it is for you, but perhaps this season you'll take time, as we're talking about in this series, to connect with God through fasting. So that you can direct your attention, your whole focus on a God who cares about you and whose identity uh, your very doing and being should come out of. Every every time they came to Jesus uh, with the temptation, every time Satan came forth and the tempter will always come with the test, he said this, this is what Jesus says, It is written. It is written. As I move closer to a close, many of you may know that I'm a, I'm a grad student. Um, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary is where I'm in grad school. It's not easy. Did I already say it's not easy? Yeah. I'm not Greek, nor am I the son of a Greek, but for some reason they tell me i got to learn Biblical Greek. Did I say it wasn't easy yet? Yeah. But see, let me tell you, I've discovered, I've discovered, and I'm thinking about writing a book about it, or maybe, I don't know, I discovered a hidden secret to passing Every test. Oh, I, I've got it. I've got it figured out. Anyone know the number to Oprah? I, I figured out the secret to how to pass every test. Are you ready? Do you want to know what the secret is? Okay, I'm gonna tell you. Shh. Just keep it between. Just keep it between us. Because I haven't published the book yet. But but here's the secret. The secret to passing every test is knowing what's in the textbook. Woo! Merry Christmas to me. The secret to passing every test is knowing what's in the book. I figured it out. You see, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but not easy. See, Jesus was able to pass every test, and there were three in a row, not because he had to reach out and do anything special, but because he knew what was written in the book. He knew what was written in the text. And I'm not telling you that it's about memorization, but I'm telling you about it. it's about the one who's planted on the inside of you. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's about the living word inside of you that will come out if you're steeped in him. And if you plug into who he is and allow Christ to live forth in you, it's not just about memorization, but it is about living in the written word. Three times he said it, it, is, it is written. Again, it is written. It is written all through the text. Jesus is reminding us right there in Matthew that the key to going through the time of testing is, is taking our place and digging into the text and learning about not just what the written word says, but about the living word, Jesus Christ. I wrote this down. Uh, and you can remember these three words if, if you'd like to as, as I go to a close. It's, it's about the test, right? It's about the text. And finally, it's about the task. You see, later on, after Jesus went through the wilderness experience through all the tests, the Bible says, then he went about preaching and doing good. Long after he passed the test by being steeped in the text, then he went about doing good. We've got to be people of the text, who are faithful and committed to go through the test so that we can be effective at the task that God has called us to do. And so even in the wilderness place, even in the desolate place, even in the dry place, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus there. So I want to encourage you today that the same Spirit, the same Spirit that that came and ascended on Jesus' at the place of baptism, when God said, this is my beloved son, when the whole Trinity gathered in one place, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit is with you, leading you through your wilderness, your dry, your desolate place. You see, the Holy Spirit is not an Uber or a Lyft driver that just takes you and drops you off. Now, I, as, a, as a police sergeant, man, I, I've led cops down many a dark, rough road, but I didn't, I didn't tuck tail and run when it got tough. I stayed right there with them and the fray, even the difficult places. And so I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is with you. He didn't just drop you off in the place of temptation, the place of testing. No, He's right there with you. And if He's able to take you to the test, into the test, and He promises that He'll take you through it. Bow your heads with me as I close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, uh, this short time that we've had to, to look at your word or to consider, uh, what Jesus did and how He did it. Jennifer said it so well last week. If Jesus was about the book, if he was a person of the word, then how much more do we need to be people of your scripture? Help us to put work in its proper place. Help me to put work in its proper place. Not that we need to be uh, slackers or lethargic or passive people. No, we need to be people who have a fire lit under us and that that go about accomplishing all that you want us to accomplish. But, But it has to be by your spirit. Once we become people of the book and go through our time of testing and understand what you're saying in the text, then we can be effective at, at the task. So we thank you for that, Heavenly Father. Thank you, God, that that uh, Cheryl Maryhugh uh, was discharged from the hospital yesterday, that, that even in that, she, she went through.